You are tuned in to the only Rio Grande Valley podcast on iTunes. It's Fitz and ADB. Whether it's serious sports talk. They're a team that runs the football and they don't pass the ball very much. They like to control the clock. Or something a little off topic. Random progressive thought. I think they need to come out of a giant anthill with a slide. (laughs) Uh, Okay, come on, man. Coming up, Harlingen played Abilene on Saturday night. We'll talk about the game. We discuss what makes a great sports bar and where are they in the RGV. Plus, is anyone paying attention to the baseball pennant races? Fits and ADB. Start it up. What a weekend for Valley football. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Fitz. He is ADB. Together we are Fitz and ADB, along with Alex Del Barrio, Brendan Fitzgerald here with episode three of the podcast powered by 956sports.com. Alex, how we doing, man? I'm doing well, man. A fun weekend of uh, high school football and, uh, of course, the, the thriller that we're going to talk about here in a second up in San Antonio between Harlingen and Abilene. Uh, some fun NFL games. And, and, and I know we'll probably talk fantasy at some point. I haven't done fantasy football in about five or six years. Uh, I've, I've kind of been at, at, you know, it was something I didn't like in fantasy football because I don't really like fantasy football fans and that they – they tend to watch games in a different way with rooting interests on players and not for their team. But I've gotten into fantasy football this year, and it's been blowing my mind all day today. It's been back and forth. So uh, it's been a fun week of football. I can't wait for the show. Yeah, it is It is one of those things. I couldn't agree with you more on fantasy football. And, you know, uh, I'm surprised, actually, that you haven't done it. So you are you have a team this year? Is that what you're saying, that this year is the first time yeah, in about I do, five years? I do have a team this year. And, and, and the thing about football, I think it's the – it's the easiest of the fantasy sports to I get addicted that, to, sure, yeah. because of the fact that you've got a whole week to kind of think about it. You, you don't have to pay attention to it every single day, and then uh, you know you wait for the injury stuff to come out, and then then you finally make a decision that morning. And I think it, it it's the one that I think it makes you feel the most like a like a general manager in the fact that you got to you scout the waiver wire because guys are getting hurt, and you got to replace them. Uh, and it ends up being very competitive because of the head the head matchups that you have uh, within your league, and uh, it, it it can be a lot of fun. Again, uh, if you've got a league that where you've got friends in it, and uh, you know the the bragging rights tend to go a long way. Yeah, uh, as I, the season progresses, I agree with you that you want obviously you watch the game in a different way, and it's funny to me that I always try to get into fantasy baseball because baseball is the sport that I kind of need help following almost like you know it, it's such right. a long season there's so many meaningless games it seems like you have you know the astros have been out of the race since june you know right. and so like how, how are you going to follow all these teams that are out of the race ironically fantasy sports applies to baseball more than football football is the ultimate team sport but it's the best fantasy sport where you're cheering for all these individuals so it totally goes mm-hmm. opposite because baseball too with fantasy it's 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 hard you got to put in pitchers every day if they're starting and that sort of thing like you said football is the one that i really can do if i do do fantasy sports because you know you, you can set your lineup on sunday morning and then that, that's that you know and it's uh, once a week yeah it's not as much of a grind as as fantasy uh fantasy baseball is and then I mean, fantasy hockey, fantasy basketball. This is yeah. so hard to get into because you know teams don't play every every day in those right. sports, and 
you know, you've got to pay attention to your lineup every day. But at the same time, the way the leagues are structured, they're all different. It's it's, it's not as much fun, I think, as fantasy football. No, so I've gotten real into it this year. Uh, been you know moving players around and trying to figure out who to start. The, the one dilemma I had today, uh, as we're, we're recording this, the Cowboys game is going on. Uh, I was debating whether or not to start Miles Austin in my flex position, and boy, was that a heck of a move by me to actually start him because he ended up with over thirty points. At least that's where he's right now as we're recording. This. Right, and he still has some work to do as we're recording this. They just started overtime, and it looks like the Niners have the ball. Not that these uh, live updates will mean anything really, but uh, yeah. Um, I didn't do fantasy this year, football. I didn't get into it, and I, I don't think I did it last year either. It's been a couple of years, but, um, yeah, I'll do it here and there. I'll do it, you know, and, and it's one of those things where I agree with you where I hate fantasy football fans where they're yelling at the TV. The Texans are winning 30 to nothing, but they're running for touchdowns, and they have Schaub on their team. I can't stand that. That to yeah. me is horrible, but inevitably, if you do get into it and you have a team, you're going to be that guy. It's just, it's just uh, the natural way of uh, being competitive. If you want to win that sort of thing, you're gonna, you're gonna say, oh well, I have, uh, you know, I, I don't have Tom Brady. I'm a Patriots fan, but the guy I'm playing has Brady, so I'm screwed. You know what I mean? But well, but it is a way to get into the random uh, Oakland versus Kansas City game. Very you know, much so. You, I usually like to – I am uh, – my big thing every season that I've been in for about five or six years now is a survivor pool, which I think are starting to catch on oh, more yeah. and more. I mean, you don't have to explain a survivor pool anymore. Everyone knows that it's pick a winner each week, and if you lose, you're out, and you can't pick the same team twice. And um, So I love the survivor pool, and, it, and that gives you one guaranteed game in addition to your team's game um, that you're going to pay attention to and uh, find fun every week. But, yeah, Fantasy 2 is good for, like, getting to know players. You know, it, it, like, you know who the second wide receiver on the Oakland Raiders are. It kind of makes you a better football fan, but then whatever good points you build up for knowing the players, they're taken away by you being the annoying guy yelling at the TV because uh, the Jaguars passed for a touchdown <laughs> instead of gave you Jones-Drew up the middle. Exactly. But, uh, well, let's talk – let's lead off with high school because, uh, you know, we are the, the the Rio Grande Valley voice uh, on iTunes at least, Harlingen against Abilene <laughs> – we mentioned we were recording this on Sunday. That was last night in San Antonio. And uh, they beat Abilene 45-44 to in double overtime. You were watching on 956sports.com. I was watching from the sidelines. What a game that was, huh? It really was, and it was exciting. Um, I think it, it you know, because let's face it, all Valley football fans got a little bit worried when the Cardinals got down. I think it was, what, 17-3, to if I'm not mistaken? Yep, 17-3 uh, in the first quarter. Uh, that's when things started to get a little worrisome because, you know, as good as Harlingen is, being able to come back from that and to, to go, you know, to, to keep it close uh, for a majority of the, uh, of the second and third quarters uh, was, was a good sign, I think, because I think we all got worried there in the early moments because this is kind of always what happens is a team will jump on a Valley team early, and although the Valley team will put up some effort in the second half, you know, the score indicates how close the second half actually was and the adjustments that you make, and it's hard to actually come back. But this this was a, a solid game. I think the, the Harlingen showed a lot of poise, both in the fact that they came back and the fact that they had lead up and then had to go in the overtime session that that can deflate you right there giving up 14 quick points like that and then having to go into the overtime session against a team like Abilene you think oh man is the deck stacked against us and um you know it was it was just a phenomenal game all the way through both teams really fought hard to win this one 
and uh, it just went Harlingen's way. And this is the type of game that you can expect Harlingen to play now against a team of that caliber. And we all knew Harlingen was good, and this was going to be the year for something special. But, you know, could they get past the third round of the playoffs like their goals have been? And now we see they've got an opportunity to do that should they continue this phenomenal role that they've been on. Yeah, it was an interesting game. It was interesting to me that you know you take into account how often has Harlingen played from behind or had to come back or I don't even think their starters have seen the field in the fourth quarter all season long when you think about it too, you know. I mean, um, a, a type of team that has rolled and you know last year and this year and now uh, for them to be behind 17 to 3 and have to battle that to me showed something that they came back and it was it was pretty it was I don't want to say it was close to getting out of hand because, you know, Harlingen obviously proved that once they settled down and once they kind of made some adjustments that they could do it. But, yeah, Abilene went in for that first touchdown. Um, Harlingen was able to kick a field goal. They, they threw a couple of interceptions. It was 17-3. to Abilene had the ball, too. Um, and, you know, Harlingen was able to, you know, uh, score a touchdown and then force a fumble real quick and get right back in it. If they don't force that fumble and make it 17-15 to 15 real quick, then you kind of think, like, well, does Abilene just keep two steps ahead? Because they had a really good running back. That kid, Paxton Grayer, was legit. And uh, I don't know. It, it, it almost seemed like... Um, you know, Abilene was up, and then they were kind of shocked. And then, you know, honestly, Harlingen controlled that game um, for right. a good portion of it. I mean, it was a good back-and-forth game, and obviously they were down 17-3 to early. But I would say midway through the second quarter until late in the fourth quarter, and I'm talking four or five minutes left when Abilene was down two touchdowns, I mean, Harlingen absolutely controlled that game, defensively and offensively. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the good chunk of the game, you know, you look at the first – the first quarter and the fourth quarter, I think, you know, those belong to uh, Abilene for the most part, especially late in the fourth and early in the first. Uh, so they bookended, you know, at least the, the regulation time. But in the middle part of the game, Harlingen really dictated the pace and really controlled everything. And being up 14 points the way they were, it forced the hand of Abilene a little bit and, and had, had them play – uh, a little less conservative than than they would have liked. They had to be very liberal with the football and and uh, try to make things happen and make big plays because they needed to because they were down 14 points late in the fourth quarter. So uh, they had to take some chances. It went their way, went to the overtime, and then they even had to take chances there. You know, going for two to try to win it uh, after a penalty put them in a situation where it looked like a two point conversion and the win would have been the right decision. Uh, they just couldn't get it done. Harlingen got the stop and they get the victory. But you're right. Harlingen did a phenomenal job of controlling the tempo of the game and not letting the early deficit get to him. And, and that just shows the, the leadership that's on this team, and that starts with Manny Gomez. Here's the thing. What do you think about late in the fourth quarter? Harlingen had found that their meal ticket was putting a ton of pressure on Abilene, sending blitzes. They, they really locked him down defensively uh, late in the second quarter and then for the entire third quarter. Um, but then they went to that prevent. And I know that everyone's seen it too. It's like you have a t you have a safe lead. You want to play conservative, not give up the big play. But Harlingen's uh, the way that they really controlled Abilene uh, was you know putting a lot of pressure on them, playing fast on defense. They go to the prevent. Abilene comes down and scores two touchdowns. Is that something that you think maybe uh, the, the prevent? They always say the prevent is, uh, might prevent a win because of uh, how passive you get. Did you notice that when you were watching the game? 
I, I didn't notice it too much. Uh, I was actually following just the audio um, in, in the fourth quarter because I was I was driving around listening to it on my on my iPhone, uh-huh. um, and uh, you know, I, so I didn't notice any of that. But I, but I think that goes back. I mean, doesn't every coach in the entire world do the same thing with a fourteen point lead against the team they shouldn't be beating? Uh, and, and go to the prevent. It's kind of like uh, you know how you know in the NCAA basketball tournament, if you get a team like Chaminade with a ten point lead, they're going to try anything they do to take as much time off right. of the clock as possible before they get a shot away. It's just a conservative approach, and uh, very few coaches, you know, uh, will put themselves in a situation where they're going to they don't want to be the ones to make the decision that cost the game for his kids or for his team. He wants to put themselves in the best situation they can to win. So with a 14-point lead, you would assume, you know, they're going to have to throw it. Um, so they go to the prevent defense. You know, it didn't end up working out that way. But you know what? They won the game. Let's, let's, let's focus on the fact that they won the game. They figured out a way to win. And you let's face it, Manny Gomez hasn't been in that situation where he's had to think about having, a, having to preserve a 14-point lead late in the game like that. Right. Uh, they're usually blowing teams out seventy-two to nothing, you know. Or they're trying for a comeback in the third round of the playoffs, like they have been. Or they're, you know, they're neck and neck. Let's uh, hear from Manny Gomez real quick. I have a soundbite from last night post game. Uh, we'll break it down a little bit more. But here's Manny Gomez, head coach of the Harlingen Cardinals. I was reliving Stevens all over again. But I told myself, man, I'm going to be more aggressive defensively, and at the same time, offensively, go for two. We have to early on. But you know what? That's a sign of greatness right there. When, when uh, you know, adversity struck there kind of late, but. Uh, our kids, man, our kids just kept battling. And this was this, this was this Cardinal spirit is all about. I talked to the kids about dreaming, about dreaming big. And, and as, as you play a game, as you go to sleep at night during the week, dream big. All these kids were talking about their, about their dreams that they were having. And said, guys, this is it. Now let's go, let's go chase those dreams down. And I'm, I'm just so proud of these kids, man. You know, it's, uh, it almost makes me emotional because these kids are like, like, like my own and stuff. I'm just extremely proud of what they've done. There you have it. He was almost in tears last night, Alex. I mean, uh, he, he didn't totally break like down, that. but yeah, I mean, you know, when you listen to that, and and with good reason. I mean, you know, he's been like you said, he's been trying to do this for a long time and trying to compete with the best in the state and get Harlingen on that list of, uh, you know, some of the best programs in the state. And I think last night was a giant step for them. Oh, and you know what? What an emotional game it was for for Manny on so many different levels going into the game all the pressure you know there were a lot of naysayers uh for Manny thinking he was nuts for scheduling that game uh there were a lot of people in his corner or at least alleging that they were in his corner by oh yeah way to schedule tough but really secretly thinking what are they doing they're gonna get creamed right before district play and Manny didn't let any of that bother him he knew the type of team that Abilene was going to put on the table but he also knew the type of teams he puts on the field each and every Friday since he's taken over a head coach what an institution they've recreated there in Harlingen in terms of, you know coach Creter did a phenomenal job during the time that he was there but Manny Gomez has got this Harlingen team with a certain type of swagger like they expect to win it doesn't matter who you are on the other side of the field they expect to win and I don't think there's a better motivator right now. You know, you could look at David Gilpin over at Mission Veterans on on the west side of the valley, on the east side of the valley, in the middle valley especially. Uh, you know, I don't think you can look any further than Manny Gomez and what a tremendous thing he did scheduling that game. And now, now you think, well, what's next for Harlingen at this point? Yeah, and it's pretty special, too, that he went to Harlingen. He lost to Judson yeah. his senior year. He was on one of the best Cardinal teams in school history. And so he's homegrown, you know, and he's and you can tell that he, you know, his head is really in the right place and his heart's really in the right place when he wants to do that because of uh, 
because he's a Harlingen Cardinal through and through and was a player there and now a head coach there. Uh, do, do you think that this win does anything for the Valley, or do you think that it just does something for Harlingen? In terms of importance of that game to the Valley, it was huge. I mean, just look at the numbers that 956 Sports got in terms of people watching the game. I mean, there were sports bars in the Harlingen area that had it on the big screen. Uh, at one point, I saw that there were 1,300 different people uh, tuned in. That was like early in the third quarter, and that number was still rising. Uh, and I think it got somewhere near past 2,000 viewers uh, at one time where as far as total people watching it, it was over 3,000. I mean, people cared. People were tuning this one in, and the Harlingen fans, I, I, I don't know if you saw this, but there were a lot of green jerseys, that, uh, or green T-shirts from Harlingen South up there to support the Cardinals last night. And, uh, you know, it just it mattered so much because this game was just like the Cal Allen game it was uh, when Ed Couch also scheduled them in a regular season a few years ago, and they beat them. Los Fresnos did the same thing scheduling Cal Allen. It's erasing the mindset of the, of the curse, the curse of the third round and the curse of these northern schools. And now you've scheduled a team like Abilene that you would have never scheduled five years ago. Uh, but now that they have an opportunity to – to uh, to do something and put a team together that can win, then you've you've really built something there, and you start to build that confidence. And the, uh, you can bet every single head coach in the valley is going to put that Harlan the article of the Harlingen victory over Abilene on their bulletin boards, mm-hmm. no doubt. Yeah, and I mean it gives other programs something to shoot for, not just because now you know Harlingen has the bullseye on their back in the valley, anyways. But now, um, you, you know, it's kind of a bullseye, too, to shoot for for the other teams to say, hey, why don't we do this? You know, exactly. I mean, I mean they it, might not all be ready. it's tangible, yet. Brendan. Right. It is, yeah. And, uh, you know, they might not be ready yet. Not every team's ready to go up and, and play Abilene and that sort of thing. And they wouldn't get as much out of it. But, you know, a team like Edinburgh or, uh, you know, teams like that where they've had some good seasons. McAllen Memorial, they've gone a few deep. You know, but now what's the next step? Let's 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 mm-hmm. not just be satisfied with going a few deep and losing to Cibolo Steel like McCallum Memorial did last year. You know, let's let's right. let's go beat those teams in the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, and like I was saying about the the tangibility of it is it, it happened now. It's happening now. So it it means a lot more than putting up a an article from 1990 when Mission and Coy Detmer went to the state final four right. and lost to Aldine Eisenhower because. That was in 1990. You can't put up, uh, you know, when Edinburgh went to the state final four because that happened a while ago too. Yeah, you know, kids, you can't. They, they have no memory of it. These kids, well, you know, not that they have no memory of it. They weren't even born yet. I mean, the kids. You know, when you think about 1990s, 21 years ago, there's no kid in high school that was born yet. As old as that uh, makes us feel, correct? That somebody in 1990 uh, wasn't born yet that they're playing on the high school field. But yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean. You know, everyone hears about the Donna Redskins, the only team to uh, ever win the state championship. But that was 50 years ago in the 60s. You could say, well, uh, you know, heck, the Valley was a different world back then. So, yeah, you're, you're right. It makes it happening now a huge deal. They know these kids. They they step on the field with Harlingen. So they're stepping on the field with a team that's beaten Abilene, you know, so it can give the, the rest of the Valley more confidence. We are going to uh, wrap up segment one here uh, on Fitz and ADB, wrapping up our uh, chat about Harlingen and Abilene. Good job to the Cardinals. Congratulations to Manny Gomez and the gang again. 
and uh, another good week in high school football, but we got great weeks coming up because district play is about to open up for the 5A schools next week. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about uh, sports bars, places to watch games. They had the Harlingen game on in uh, some uh, sports bars around town. What makes a good one? What are the best ones in the RGV? As sports fans, we got to know. We'll be back in a sec. You're listening to the only real Grand Valley Sports Podcast on iTunes. It's Fitz and ADB, powered by 956sports.com. Follow the show on Twitter, at Fitz and ADB. Like our page on Facebook by searching Fitz and ADB. And, of course, you can email the show at fitzandadb at gmail.com. And now we're going to shift gears a little bit. We talked a little high school football earlier. Now we're going to talk a little bit more guy talk. And, one of the things that guys like to do when we're talking about sports and thinking about sports is go to a good sports bar. What makes a great sports bar? What are the must-haves? Are there any great sports bars in the Valley? Which ones are the great ones, and what are the best ones that, that you've seen over the years? And frankly, uh, you know, you and I both being uh, ha- spending a lot of time in Boston, you being from the New England area, Brendan, uh, you've seen some great sports bars. I've been at some great ones. Um, and I think some of these sports bars in the Valley are just now catching on to, to trying to be uh, as great as some of the ones that are out there in the country. Uh, I, I tend to like them, uh, the ones where you can uh, get the audio box and listen to the game that you want to listen to at your table. I think that's one of the things that I really love about a great sports bar is the fact that you can listen to the game and not listen to just loud disco music. Yeah, I, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting point you, you bring up too. I have to say... I have spent a lot of time in the, you know, you mentioned Boston area, and it's not just uh, in Boston area, you know, all throughout the Midwest and college towns across the country, out on the West Coast. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but yeah, the Valley is totally lacking in this category. And you, being from the Valley, you can you can agree, correct? I do agree. I do agree. And it's like... Uh... I'm just now seeing some of these sports bars take it to the next level. But one of the things I can't stand, and uh, and a lot of these places aren't going to do it because they, they feel that they can't afford to uh, not play music, is that, that they play, you know, they'll have DJs in. Like if I go to – if I when I go to a Buffalo – I'm not – you know what? I don't want to say the particular place. But Chain. Let's just Buffalo call them – let's just Buffalo call them Chains. One of the wing. Yeah, one chains of, wing, of wings. Yeah, okay. Figure out which one it is. <laughs> right. Figure out where that has all the screens going on. I want to listen to the game, the big game that's on. Even if it's like, even when it's like six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock during the dinner hours, they're playing this music. And first of all, it's way too loud to be to begin with. And second. If I'm at a sports bar, I want to watch sports. I want to feel the sports experience. I want to listen to the game. Uh, you know, the announcers do bring something to the table. If something happens in the game, I want to know what's going on. And I'm here. I am listening to, to you know to P Diddy and J Lo up on the and listening to that on the speakers instead of the game. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that one. The game sound at a sports bar to me that's one of the main things between um you know a, a cookie cutter sports bar and a real sports bar that you kind of want to go to a lot you know what i mean there there are certain things that anyone can open a place yeah. and put up TVs and have draft beer and bar food and uh you know good stuff like that 
but there are you know the the few extra notches up the ladder and i would say you're right the first one is game sound because when you're there you, you know and and it's not all the time too you know on a on a tuesday afternoon at 6 p.m. they don't have to blare sports center you know what i mean like you can keep some music on or whatever but if if there's football games on or if there's baseball like give me some kind of game sound and it doesn't have to be too loud either but just make it kind of audible you know cuz that's another thing to me is when they put on a game and they turn it up to 11 and uh, you, you know, if I'm not there to watch the Texas Rangers play the uh, you know Seattle Mariners, I don't want to be annoyed because that game's on while I'm trying to eat with a, a couple of buddies. You know what I mean? Right. right. There's that. There's that happy medium there, and the audio boxes is something that, um, yeah, that that is like a that's like almost a golden goose. There's not many places with that. No, there's not. You see, you know, I, I mean, I am going to mention names because this is a the good thing some of the applebees around here now have started doing the audio boxes especially around the bar areas where you can listen to I, the first place i ever saw one of those audio boxes and th- this is one of my favorite sports bars and unfortunately they've closed a lot of them are the espn zones i don't know if you've ever been to a, one of the espn zones but they, those are awesome because they had the big theater room you could get a, a, a recliner there in the very front if you were just there with one other buddy right a recliner and there was a table next to you so you could watch the big screen all the other games were on the side you could get an audio box uh, to listen to the game of your choice it was just fantastic and then of course you had the game room with all the sports themed games uh and then you had the actual bar area like there was just something for everyone uh and then the espn zone espn closed a bunch of them down i guess they weren't generating as much profit as they would have liked but uh that to me that's the ideal sports bar the full sports experience see i tvs you know look at the urinals at the espn zone yeah i see i have a problem with and i don't have a problem with it but i don't necessarily love the uh, sports bar disney world is what i'll call it the the theme park you know i like a few games sure um, but I don't, you know, it's like one of the, you know, you go into any ESPN zone and there's like the room of games and it's just like, right. it, it's almost like a money pit. You know what I mean? Like I would prefer maybe a golden tee golf right. and here's the one that almost no sports bars have unless it's an ESPN zone or a giant game room or things like that. But I love the little mini basketball pop a shot. I love that game. I think it's an awesome game. It's like yeah. 50 cents a pop. You can just bring a roll of quarters or just get some quarters or whatever, and you can play it over there um, You know, while you're waiting for your food or while you're having a drink. And none of those, none of these bars ever have that. I've seen it at like two bars in my life where it's just like they have a couple of games, including that basketball one. It seems like it's all or nothing with that one. They either don't have it or you have to go to like Dave & Buster's where they have a two floors of giant arcade and a yeah. million kids running around. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you 100% there. I, I, I do like the fact that like, the Dave & Buster's, we don't have one of those around here, but I think everyone has been to one. I, I, I like the concept because at least after a certain hour, you have to be a certain age to be there. Like, I like one that. One of the places yeah, I, exactly. always, I always enjoyed – uh, in the Boston area was Jillian's. I don't know. In, yep, I know what you're talking the, about. Sure, the yeah. game room, and then they had the downstairs area of Jillian's was the was the actual bar, uh, and you know with all the screens, and they'd always have the audio going. They had a million different beers, and then, and then upstairs was the actual game room. So there, you know, it created the separation where some of the Dave and Buster's 
the, the restaurant and the bar and the game room, it's all really on the same level. It's just spread out a little bit more. I like it when you, ha- you can go to the different levels, and if you want to play games, just go upstairs. If you want to be you know, in the bar area, there's the bar. Like, I like the separation aspect a little bit. I agree. Julian's is also one of those, like, you know, you can't, you know, if you're there on Friday night at 11 o'clock, um, there's no, like, uh, 12-year-old birthday party going on there. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it, it's kind of a more of an adult atmosphere. But um, tell me what you think about this. Sometimes I think a pool table is way overused. Like, I don't know oh, any yeah. – I don't have any friends that, like, love to play pool. I know it's a popular game. Billiards all over the world is played. I'm not going to get into that. But – you know, I never really hung out with anyone who's just like, hey, let's go down to the bar and play some pool. It's almost like let's play pool because there's nothing else to do and there's this giant 12-foot table, so there's no room for anything else. But then if you, like, encounter the serious pool player, you got to, like, get out of their way. You're, like, you're just standing on the side, but, like, they're hitting you with their stick and they're, like, get out of my shot. And they're probably right. playing for money so then, like, people could get in fights over it or, like, arguments or just, like, it's just, like, this giant table in the middle. Go to a pool bar something don't they have their own places uh, yeah no i do like the fact that there's a there's separate pool halls i think uh, i think that's good and you know I, but I, I you're right i don't like the fact that some of those some of the larger games like uh like the pool pool especially because you're hitting people with sticks like you said and all that stuff and that can get annoying after a while so i i agree with you on that i think it's the most overused thing the other one i don't really get into all that much i don't really know anybody that is into it other than my one friend uh is darts i don't i don't know how many people really get into darts and you may disagree with me on that but uh, i don't see the need to have a dart board at, at a bar i just i've never gotten into that i would like more air hockey tables or or a shuffleboard i think those those are a lot more fun you can have teams with those um, yeah, I'm. I'm glad I, that you brought those up the games. I kind of, kind of like uh, to play a little bit more. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up shuffleboard because I definitely would have forgot about that. But I was thinking about that the other day when thinking about what we we're going to talk about in this segment. And shuffleboard is an all timer. That is such a great game. Anyone can play it. Uh, it, it's hard to be like really good at it, so it's kind of like a neutral field because it's no fun. Like, oh, let's play pool, and then somebody's really good at pool, and the other guy stinks. You know, and that's no right. fun. But shuffleboard is—it's totally neutral. I mean, you can get good at it. I've played shuffleboard against some guys who definitely um, had too much time on their hands at the bar playing shuffleboard. But for the most right. part, yeah, it's like you know—you go two on two. That's a great game, and it doesn't take up a lot of room because the table is only like three or four feet wide, and it's like just against the wall all the time. Exactly. So it's not taking up a lot of room. I like darts, though. I, I like darts once in a while. To me, I like darts way better than pool because it doesn't take up a lot. To me, it's about like, you know, having some options to play some games, to, you know, to have some, a little competition or whatever while you're hanging out and not you know, being in the way of everything and things like that. And usually dartboards, too. They're off to the side because, obviously, it would be dangerous if uh, if anyone got in the uh, way of a dart. But air hockey, too, that's one of those It's just a big table. So that yeah. one is like like the basketball thing where it's just it's almost like arcade or, or bust, you know. Exactly. But see, but those are, all the ones that we've mentioned all can be up against the wall. The only one of those giant tables that can't be up against the wall is a pool table because exactly. you have to access all four sides of the table. 
Exactly, and uh, the so, the pool players the uh, the pool players are always the uh, least friendly too because they take themselves a little bit too seriously. Also, one more thing on the sports bar thing, and this relates to the Rio Grande Valley. We already mentioned a certain wing chain or chains that are just cookie cutter, and we have some issues with them. The thing about the Valley is that those are basically the main options for sports bars. Um, people down in the Valley like sports just as much as anywhere that I've been. And I've been in a bunch of places yeah. in this country, and there are just as many Valley sports fans. There are just as many sports fans that love to watch football, that love to go to the bar to watch Cowboys games and Texans games and things like that, as I have encountered. Yet there are just such a lack of options like you say, I mean, up in Boston, I'm sure that you're familiar with the Fours and Boston Beer Works and things like that. And those places, if you opened a place like that down here, it would do gangbusters. It would, they would print money. Yeah, um, I think there's definitely uh, opportunities for someone, like you said, to print money down here as far as uh, opening a bar. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, it's going to take a while, I think, that for the Valley to get a place like we're all used to, like we've seen in the New England area. Uh, and I, I, ho- I hope we do because there's some really awesome sports bars out there, and I hope someone takes the risk and does one right. But that's going to do it uh, for this segment as we continue on. Fits on, Fits and ADB, I should say, here on 956sports.com. And when we come back, more uh, talk for you as we take a look at Baseball. Does anyone really care about baseball right now? We'll talk about that next. Coming up, Fitz and ADB here on 956sports.com and on iTunes. With Alex Del Barrio, I'm Brendan Fitzgerald. This is Fitz and ADB, Episode 3, Rio Grande Valley Sports Talk On Demand, and we are the only Valley sports podcast on iTunes. Download it, subscribe to it, listen to it. Let us know what you think about it. Twitter us, at Fitz and ADB. Like our page on Facebook by searching Fitz and ADB, and email the show. Let us know what you think. Fitz and ADB at gmail.com. We've been saying uh, we'd love to have a mailbag or something. Um, get some feedback from people, and then uh, makes the show more interactive because uh, that's what it's all about. Can't really do that on a podcast to have uh, like a radio show because you can't have call-ins and guests and things like that. But uh, love to know what you think, nonetheless. Alex, uh, we're going to talk a little bit NFL here and baseball because now they're basically competing with each other, and uh, football always wins um, <laughs> in this country. But uh, I mean. To me, baseball seems uh, about as low as it's been in terms of popularity. I know that they spin the ticket sales and all that sort of thing and TV ratings, but I don't know, man. I I don't I really don't watch much baseball. Do you? I, I haven't in a while, and it's funny because you and I got together before the season started, kind of excited about baseball. Uh, we got the you know the MLB TV. It's the first time I've done it, and it's great. The the product is great of it, but I haven't used it since probably June or July, really, because I haven't really cared all that much. Um, you know, and and that's funny because you and I 
are in an area where baseball is just as much king as any sport is in New England. I know we keep talking about the Boston here, but it's true in terms of being bred a Red Sox fan, and you're always caring what's happening with the Red Sox. You know, to be honest, I've just now started to recently pay more attention since the Red Sox started reeling a little bit lately and are in danger of missing missing the playoffs if Tampa Bay comes back in the wild card picture. But but you're right. I've paid so little attention to baseball this season, and I, I really don't have an explanation for it. Yeah, and I I want to point out quick because we do always come back to Boston, whatever is because Alex went to school at uh, Boston University for a few years. I think it's we come back to it because Boston is one of a few cities in this country that's known as a great sports town uh, with great fans, and we're familiar with it. Obviously, Dallas is a great sports city. Chicago, Absolutely. Philadelphia, New York, L.A.—they're all great sports cities. But we always come back to the Boston area because we're so familiar with it, and we have common ground because we're both Red Sox and Patriots fans. But yeah. I mean, that does make sense that I think I tuned out the Red Sox a long time ago because at first they were top of the division. They were, um, you know, then they were kind of in a battle with the Yankees, but it was it was an afterthought that they might miss the playoffs. But to me, I I don't want to watch any baseball game. I mean, beyond the Red Sox, like I've never sat there this year and on a Sunday afternoon over the summer said, oh, I want to watch MLB on Fox. Or uh, I want to check out the Phillies because they're, uh, you know, the Phillies and Braves are playing in a good one right now. When baseball tonight is on ESPN, I change the channel. I I don't want to watch a nonstop baseball show. And I'm wondering, and I feel like um, a a big chunk of America kind of feels the same way. I'm wondering if it's just too slow at this point. And you say, you know, everything in society is just getting faster, 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 and baseball is staying the same. And to me, it's falling behind. To me, I, 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 I still have a tough time believing that because baseball has been the same game forever. And it's still in much ingrained in, in our culture, still little league numbers in, in the summers. I think people are necess- are busier. I think that's the part of it. It's not necessarily that they don't want to pay attention to the game for three hours. I just think that people's lives are more in tune to to pay attention to the NFL because it's once a week and it's on a weekend day and it's on a day that they're going to stay home and watch the game where baseball being every single day people are doing so much now they're working later hours having to get second jobs uh you know taking their you know I know for for instance my sister my sister's got three kids and they're all in soccer and baseball and, so- and softball and piano lessons, you know, they're, she's driving all over the place, you know, taking all these kids to all these different games. And I think people are just more active, I think, maybe now, yeah. uh, especially in the summers. It's, you don't really need to pay attention to baseball every single day. And I think that's dangerous territory for baseball to get into because their season is so long and there's so many home games. You know, season tickets aren't valuable anymore for individual families to get because you can't get to 81 games uh, every year. And that that's the dangerous part, I think, is is needing to rethink how you do ticket packages and how you price things. Um, and it's getting to the point where they need to start thinking to lower prices on a lot of different things so that more people uh you know can get in can can get in to watch the games because there's very few people going to games now you look at minute maid park and granted the astros are awful but they're they're empty every single night and that place used to be packed every single night so something has changed and i don't know what it is because i used to watch baseball tonight every day i used to be interested i wanted to see the home run chart who hit home runs that day and how many they hit on the season 
I used to be excited about it. Uh, baseball tonight isn't the same anymore. On the contrast, I do think MLB, the MLB network, their programming is fantastic. Uh, I prefer it to ESPN's programming in terms of the baseball coverage. Um, but I, I don't, I don't get it because I have Dish Network. So, uh, because I don't get it, I don't get to watch it as often, but I would watch that ahead of baseball tonight. But, uh, it's weird how I used to care so much about baseball every single day and now I just don't. That's the thing that I'm wrestling with because I really don't. And, and I was the same as you. Baseball was my number one sport for a long time when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, you mentioned you watch baseball. I would always, I would want to watch every highlight of baseball on SportsCenter. I would want to, uh, you know, I'd be looking at stats. I would know the standings. Like, you know, I looked at the other day and I'm just like, oh, the Arizona Diamondbacks are leading the NL West. Like, I, I had no idea. Like, like I really, yeah. ha- I, I mean, I knew that Arizona was having a better season than many expected and that they might make the playoffs, whatever. But I look in the standings and it's like they're up nine games on the Giants. So they're like basically definitely going to win the NOS and go to the playoffs. And I was like, I, I really couldn't have told you any of that. And I, I don't, yeah, I, it seems to, and there's a lot more empty stadiums like you mentioned, because even Dodger Stadium was like empty from the beginning of the season. The Marlins games are a joke. I don't even know why they play them. I mean, they should literally play those games at a high school field. Um, like the Mets, you know, it, you talk about being in the New York market and they got empty seats and they got a ballpark that's a year or two years old that's like, you know, really, really nice. They're charging. Um, way too much. I mean, you talk about being in a down economy. I know for a fact I have a friend who's a, a Mets fan, and his dad goes to a lot of games and things like that. To go to a Mets game, you have to, like, they force you to buy a food voucher. So, like, they'll be like, the ticket is $35 plus the $25 food voucher that you have to buy. So, uh, you know, now you're at 60 bucks, but you do get a $25 food coupon. It's just like, I know a lot of people, they want to go to the games and they don't want to spend $25 on food, you know? Yeah. And, and no. there's this nickel and dime and they, you know, you mentioned the season tickets. It's not too like a family will get uh, season tickets and then split it with, um, you know, split it three ways with, with other people or things like that. Be like, okay, we'll take these 20 games. You take these 20 games because, if you want to go to a game, you can walk up to the park almost anywhere uh, with a few rare exceptions and uh, and buy a ticket, you know? Yeah, it's it's only the very few stadiums. I think, uh, you know, you can really count them on one hand, Wrigley, Fenway. Um, I think that's it. You know, <laughs> it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, even Yankee games are, e- are easy to get into, you know, as far at least in the upper – I mean, if it's yeah, if it, if it's not a Sunday afternoon or a Red Sox Yankees game or something like that, you can get into Yankee Stadium. It might, it's going to cost you, but it, you can get in. Exactly, and and you're right about the nickel and diming, and I, I think baseball. Here's where baseball and the NBA can't try to duplicate themselves with the NFL because the NFL does the same thing, but the NFL has to do it by necessity because they only each team only has eight home games. They need to charge for parking. They need to charge for, uh, you know, every little thing at the nuance at the stadium. They need to try to get you to buy a, you know, they need to, baseball needs to figure out what, here's the difference. Minor league baseball is, is still booming. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though major league baseball isn't. And the reason is, is because minor league baseball gives you a 
family entertainment experience. And they don't try, they, they try to, you know, get as much out of you as they can too, but they do it in a way where it's effective. They have cost effective, you know, ticket plans. They have cost effective uh, meal plans. They, you know, they do the groups and the picnics and all that stuff. And they make you make it a little bit more interactive. Whereas major league baseball tries to be the NFL and they've done so many great things. I still think uh, that uh, MLB.com and their online streaming and all that stuff has blows all of the other leagues out of the water in terms of the way that, you know, everything works and how seamless it all interacts with each other. I think baseball's been the, uh, the best job in terms of that, uh, in terms of fan interaction. But I think they need to get away from trying to nickel and dime their fans because they're, they're scaring a lot of fans away and, uh, and much like the NBA is in, in a problem, I can see baseball having a problem in that because I don't think the revenues will continue to go up for baseball as they have been for the NFL. Do you think that they should shorten the season? I I do, but there's never, no way it's going to happen. I think it should be 144 games. Why 144? That's in a specific number. Uh, I think it will... Well, because it, it was 144 at one point. when I think when Babe Ruth hit the, broke the home run record, it was 144 games. Yeah. Uh, and then it went to 156 and finally 162. Um, but I would just cut off, cut off uh, that portion of the season. I'd get a, I'd get a, I wouldn't do this whole 15 and 15 thing like they're doing. Uh, I would expand the playoffs to add another team. I just think shrink the season a little bit, you know, move the playoffs to strictly October Get get rid of some of these, uh, you know, some of these games like these. Get, don't play on Mondays, for instance. Right. Or, uh, every know, Monday don't off. Don't play on Tuesdays or something. Yeah, every Monday off or something like that. Give it, you know, and 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 just try to try to squeeze as many games in as can. Do bring back bring back uh, scheduled double headers if you want to keep 162 games. I mean, uh, I, I think I think that's that's a, an interesting way to go. Keep people there. For longer, some people will leave. Some people will come later. You know, that's a way to generate, you know, get more people in there. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I just think the season, like you said, way too long. People can't care about something for 162 games because it just makes makes each game that much more meaningless. Yeah, to me it would be addition by subtraction because also you'd say, oh well, the, they want the ticket sales high and they want the the beer sales high and you know to keep keep people in the stadiums because uh you know if we have less games then we have less money and it's just like well the nfl is doing pretty well and each team plays eight home games you know i mean like a all team of a like sudden the red Sox would be against it a team like the red Sox and the cubs would be against it because there's only so much revenue they right. can generate with the size of their stadium and they do sell out every game but a team like the astros a team like the indians a team like the Tigers, you know, a team like... I mean, basically uh, you know, every Angels. other team could stand to have a few less games so that their fans would want to go to more games. I mean, yeah, you talk absolutely. about the most exciting regular seasons in sports. It's college football and it's the NFL, you know? And, right. it, and it's the ones that aren't there often so that when they're on, you have to get them. And I'm not saying to go to 16 baseball game seasons, but... Um, you know, I even like 144. I could live with that too. It, it's definitely like a, a sizable down. I think like, I think 120 games is plenty. I mean, at this point, they've played I think about 120 games right now, haven't they? I think they're at about the 120 uh, mark. They're they're no, they're past that because this is the last month of the season. We're so we're at we're right around 140, 145. My point is, uh, it, you know. If we had 50, well, if they're at 145, then, uh, you know, your point does pretty well, too. It's just like, we know about who the best teams are at this point. 
I mean, really, do, do the Astros need to lose 15 more times or, or 25 more times for us to realize that they're one of the worst teams in the league? You know, it's like what's done is done over the course of 120 to 140 games, and you're going to have playoff races for sure, but, uh, geez, I mean, it's just too much. And, and to me, they lose out even more because they compete with football. Why not make it so as soon as football starting – that's when your important games are just getting going. That's when, you know, let's say September is the big pennant races or, uh, or, or you know, late August, first part of September is the pennant races, then late September and all of October are the playoffs. Then all of a sudden you have a chance to go head-to-head with the NFL because that's your championship part of the season when the NFL is just getting going. Exactly. I agree with you 100% on that. I think it's uh, – I, I think that's where they need to – go because that's what minor league baseball does minor league baseball is 142 games i believe uh and and you know because minor league baseball has a problem the kids are in school and all that stuff so they they can't get people to come to minor league baseball playoff games uh, minor league baseball tries to get rid of their playoffs as soon as possible and i think baseball should try to get to their playoffs right around that time so like you said they're competing with a championship product because i still care about the baseball playoffs i watch every single baseball playoff game when i can and I cared a lot about the baseball, play- and I will watch pretty much every single baseball playoff game. Um, but you're right; it's like I don't care, you know, about the random Kansas City versus Boston game in June. I just don't. Yeah, and that's that's the. Pro- but like we talked about earlier, I feel like we used to, as sports fans, we used to care about those games more. I remember, you know, watching the Red Sox in June or, or watching middle of the season baseball games and being entertained and, and wanting to know what happened. And I just don't now. And I can't really explain why they always didn't really mean anything in June, July. I wonder if as a sports fan, or I wonder as if, you know, me and you as about being the same age, if we're just growing up and realizing what's important, what's not important, you know? Right, but you also had to schedule your life around the games too, whereas you don't anymore. I can check my phone at any time to see what the score of the Red Sox game is on Twitter or on my MLB.com app, or I can listen to the game as I'm walking to wherever I'm I'm going to. So like, I don't have to be, I don't have to schedule my life to go be at home when the Red Sox game is on to know what the score of the Red Sox game is, you know. Uh, I, and I think that's where where it's different. Um, like I said, people are just busier. People find it more convenient to. To, to do other stuff with their time and but still follow their team just from a little bit more distance. Yeah, the the, the more information is huge because, um, like you say, you can listen to the game on your phone and it, you didn't used to be able to do that. So you're not chomping at the bit maybe to go see the highlights. You already know what happened in the game just because you checked the box score um, by looking down at your iPhone. So, you know. But, but, I, I, still, I still remember the fact when I was in junior high and starting to get really into baseball, I remember having to be excited to pick up the sports page so I could see the baseball standings, the box scores, and and, and the statistics and right. who the league leaders were. Yeah, yeah. You like would look I, at the top it, ten in the that's NL. That's how you found and, out. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so the more information is almost like hurting the actual product of – watching you know what i mean uh it's kind of like uh like like to me i like the baseball season for not the games almost like the regular season like up until july or whatever like if there's a big trade like i like to pay attention to the between the game stuff the trades or the contract talks yes. 
or um, what this guy said after the game. It's almost more entertaining to maybe listen to a manager rant after a game or a losing streak than it is to like watch those games and then be like, oh, yeah, did you hear what he said? I'd rather watch him rant and just be like, well, what's the story there? Oh, they lost 10 of 11? Okay, that makes sense now. I don't have to watch them lose 10 of 11 games. That is so boring, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I don't know, but the NFL, I mean, it's just overtaking us. Uh, week two was uh, almost in the books. We have um, – couple of games left uh, we're recording this sunday afternoon i think the falcons and eagles are just about to get started up here soon the cowboys good news uh well good news for your cowboys fans uh they won in overtime so they got to win the houston texans are 2-0 the patriots are 2-0 our patriots alex our patriots are 2-0 should we reevaluate the, the, ca- the, the texans? texans win the cowboys win the pats win so let's... there you go everyone can be happy down here um and uh, what did the Bears? The Bears lost. So Roberto Garza fans from Rio Hondo. Sorry about that. Um, I don't know. Anything jump out at you before we wrap things up on the NFL and how it started over the first uh, couple of weeks? I, I mean, I, there's a couple of storylines uh, here. I'm not. I'm not really a fan of the early portion of the NFL. I, I get excited for opening day. Okay. Uh, on thir- on that Thursday, or oh, this team's two and zero, and we didn't expect it to be. Are they going to be a contender? Like, I don't like that talk. I think it's just so premature, and it just it's like we're looking for things to make up to talk to talk about sometimes on these sports shows. And uh, I, I think it's still too early to tell. I'm just glad football is here, where we didn't expect it to be here. I'm now that you've got me thinking about that. I haven't been caring about baseball. Now I almost feel like I I I've neglected it. So uh, you know, it's like the dad that's been on the road traveling for for, for a month and they haven't seen their kids now you got to feel like you got you do extra so now i feel like i need to pay more attention to baseball over the next two weeks you guilt tripped your older son baseball so your younger son nfl is going to have to just be on the back burner for three weeks exactly (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think i think the things to look at is uh the detroit lions look pretty good early um, some people had them as a sleeper team. The Kansas City Chiefs, who won the division last year in the AFC West, look absolutely horrible losing to the Lions and the Bills. Um, the Bills are 2-0, and Alex. We got some competition for Bills and Patriots next week. You scared? It made me think about that uh, that one season where they beat the Patriots something like 31 to nothing on week one, and we were all panicking, and then the Patriots ended up winning, going like 14-2 and two that year, winning the Super Bowl, and the Bills went like 6-10. Six, six and 10. So I'm I, not scared of the Bills just yet, Let, but let's wait and see what happens next week. I don't even think the Bills went 6-10 and 10 that year. I remember exactly the year that you're talking about. That was the year that they traded Lawyer Malloy, or they let go of Lawyer Malloy, and then he got scooped up by the Bills, like, right before opening day. And then so he was all celebrating. The Bills beat him. But, yeah, the Patriots did. Uh, I think that was their third Super Bowl. Second or third Super Bowl is definitely not their first. But uh, And I remember the, the the poetic justice in that the last regular season game of the year for the Patriots that year was against the Bills, who were at that point dreadful and totally eliminated, and the Patriots were on their way to, uh, you know, the AFC's number one seed. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Maybe let's uh, let's not overrate the first two weeks and uh, see how things play out. And, hey, maybe give baseball a little uh, – maybe go play catch in the yard with uh, the MLB again, right? That's that's exactly what I'm going to be doing next couple of weeks. I'm going to play a little catch with MLB, check on my Red Sox, and hopefully they don't let me down because they've been struggling here last couple of weeks. I know. We'll see what they do. But uh, all right, I think that's a good uh, point to jump off at, right? Uh, I agree. I agree. Let's let's give them let's, less is more. Less is more. <laughs> Very good. Maybe we should shorten up this podcast a little bit. We make it. Uh... There you go. <laughs> Anyways. Um... We had some Skype issues there. I know the audio is going to sound a little choppy at times. Hopefully you stuck with us, and uh, we're going to uh, 
just keep improving every week. That's what I like to say as a podcaster or as a football coach. You know, you just want to keep improving every week, right? Want to keep getting better. Exactly. We're getting better, and that's what we're trying to do. We hope you people contact us and try to get you guys more involved in the show as well. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Fitz and ADB. We have a Facebook page. Uh, search Fitz and ADB and give us the old thumbs up, and that's where you'll find uh, links to the show and how you can download and things like that. Subscribe to us on iTunes. We're the only Rio Grande Valley sports podcast on iTunes. And if you want to email the show, Drop us a line at fitzandadb at gmail.com. This has been Episode 3. Congratulations again to the Harlingen Cardinals, who are 3-0 and after beating Abilene. Uh, we'll keep our eyes open for some good sports bars with game sound on, and we'll uh, maybe pay a little bit more attention to baseball because uh, it's our sports fan duty. Alex, thanks, pal. Talk to you soon, Brennan. District play coming up next week. This has been Fitz and ADB. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again.